I shared something earlier. I love that song that we were singing earlier about, about just every breath and we pour out our praise to the Lord and, and all that. I think it's okay for us to maybe become a little bit more undignified in our praise, our worship. Listen, if we, if we really believe the words to, those song, to that song that we just sang, man, isn't he worthy of, of everything that, that we can bring? And people will worship. They're, they're beginning to now. People are traveling to wherever to be around their, their most favorite football team or whatever. And, and people do worship. You know that. People, they just worship the wrong things sometimes. And uh, we, we just simply believe, if you're uh, just checking us out here at 1910, we, we really believe that, that the God of the universe, the creator of all, the, uh, the, the one who sent his son to die for us, who saved us from, from who we were and has changed us and made so many of us in this room a new creation, we just believe that he's worthy of us giving him all of our praise and worship and so many people say, why are y'all so loud? Why is your worship and your singing so demonstrative? And, and I'm like, I just can't stay quiet when I think about who he is and, and what he's done. I, I don't want to be dignified. I think we need to become a little more undignified sometimes when we, when we worship. And I'm not saying that, I, I, listen, I get it. Don't send me, I, I know that there's a time to be solemn and reverent, and, but I just, I, I get that. But I, I just, I'm in love with the Lord and he's worthy. He's worthy uh, of all that we can bring into to this house. Amen. And, and, and here's the deal today. And, and, and I just love it when Jake's playing the keyboard behind me. It makes me feel awesome. Like I could talk forever. Thanks, Jake. Um, Jake is going to Liberty University. We're trying to talk him off that ledge and just trying to keep him here with us. But um, what was I going to say? Shoot, I can't remember. Can we get in the Bible today? Is that all right? I can't screw that up. Oh, I can. But let's I, listen. Today we're going to go old school with you. We, we are going to go look at a, a, a story that that is probably familiar to, to many of you in this room today. And, and just let me give you kind of a heads up and a word of warning. Sometimes when things are familiar to us and we've heard them time and time again, we can tend to zone out and, and not really focus on maybe what God's wanting to do in this moment. So I want to warn you, you, don't check out on me today because I believe that there's a new truth that God has for us. I know there was for me in getting ready for our time together. We're in this series, Head on a Swivel, and, and looking for ways that we can be Jesus and show God's love to people in crazy, radical ways. And I was asking the men this morning as we were gathered in my office and just kind of praying together, I said, hey, what is, what is the story out of the Bible that, um, that, that just best to you, just comes to mind, typifies love and action? What, what is that? What is that? And, and the guys that prayed with me this morning, man, they were deep. They're really deep deep men of the faith, I guess, because one of them said, like, the story of, of, of Homer, Gomer, Gomer, Homer, I'm thinking, Gomer and Hosea, Gomer, and I'm like, man, that is real deep. Another guy said, you know, the, the, the woman at the well, John chapter 4, man, and how Jesus responded to her, man, those are all great stories, but, but I'm just kind of going, like, third grade Sunday school lesson with us this morning, if that's okay, but 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 if, if there's if there's a, a story that stands out to me the most, one of the most vivid, memorable examples of, of love and action, I believe is found in 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 the book of Luke. 
Luke chapter 10. And in this passage of scripture, we read about a, a Samaritan who, whose actions were, were so kind. He became known. People just naturally begin to refer to him as the Good Samaritan. How many of you know that story? Round of applause. You've heard this. Awesome. Okay. So I just want to, for those of you that are clapping, if you're sitting next to one of them, make sure they pay attention today. I don't want them to zone out and doze off. But, but this, this Samaritan, he, he wasn't known prior to this, what we read about in Luke 10. Is, I don't think he walked around saying, hey, I'm the good Samaritan and you're the bad one. I don't know. But just through his actions here in Luke chapter 10, we know him. And people know him now as the Good Samaritan. Now, you probably remember the story. There was a Jewish man that had been robbed, had been severely beaten, and, and he was left to die on the side of the road, this road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And, and, and as, I'm going to read the story to you, but here's where you're going to find a priest that, that, that came by this man that laid on the road that day and he just kind of walked around the man. You're going to read about a, a, a Levite, another religious man who, who again came by and just left this man to die. But then, oh, this Samaritan came by. This Samaritan comes up on the scene. And that's the reason for our story today. Let me read it to you beginning in verse 30 of Luke chapter 10. Now, the, the, the verses prior to this, the, there's a religious expert in the law that is kind of testing Jesus. You know, they were always trying to set a trap for him and trying to detour him because people were beginning to listen to his teachings and follow him. And, 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 and the religious leaders of the day maybe saw this as a threat to, to their congregations. And by the way, don't you just hate that? That whenever there, we, we, we view other churches or what other men or women of God are doing, it's that humanness of us swells up and it's like, oh, they're a threat to what we're doing. Come on. There are plenty of people in our culture and world today that are lost and need our Savior, Jesus. And for us to, to gripe and bicker and argue about who's, listen, they're, they're, they're not mine and they're not his or hers. They're, they're God's, Right? And these religious people in Jesus' day were just feeling really threatened by him. And so in, in, in Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 25, what you find prior to this story of the Good Samaritan is one of these guys trying to, to just detour Jesus a little bit. What's the greatest commandment? Well, Jesus kind of looked at him, I think probably a little befuddled, and said, well, you're an expert in the law. Surely you know that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, mind, and strength, right? Any good Jewish lad growing up studied that and knew that, right? And the second, Jesus said, is, is almost as great as the first, and that is to what, church? Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, this expert in the law was maybe just, well, well then who is my neighbor? He's just digging and digging and trying to, well, who's my neighbor? And so I love how Jesus responds by telling a story. And so that's why Jake's playing music behind me. This is storytelling music. And I want to tell you how Jesus replied to this expert in the law. In verse 30, Jesus replies with a story. 
There was a Jewish man traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Say bandits. And they stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him up, and they left him half dead beside the road. And by chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, and he passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and and looked at him lying there on the road, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan. What kind of Samaritan does Jesus call him? Despised. And that's not because Jesus had ill feelings towards this Samaritan, but it's just because in this day and age, in this culture, Samaritans, these half-breeds, were not looked upon highly or favorably. And so Jesus is reminding this expert in the law, this Jewish person who despised Samaritans. Jesus is just kind of reminding him of, hey, bro, this is how you feel about this Samaritan I'm about to describe to you. A despised Samaritan came along, Jesus says. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. What did he feel? Compassion. And going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine. And he bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey. So the Samaritan's putting this wounded man on on his donkey, the Samaritan's donkey. And he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. It's a great story. Then I love Jesus. Oh, Jesus is so good, isn't he? Woo! I love how Jesus just kind of, he hammers people in a loving way. Just kind of puts it to this religious expert in the law. Look what Jesus says. Now, Jesus says, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits. Remember, that's this expert's question to Jesus. Who do you think? What's a neighbor? Jesus said, well, who do you think out of this great story is the neighbor? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Ah, Wazowski. You know, kind of like, don't you just, don't you just know that this expert in the law was just so put off? I mean, now come on, son. Who do you think was the neighbor? Oh, the one who showed him mercy. Kind of like what your kids, when they, your kids know that you're right, you've told them something, or, oh, you're right, I was wrong. And I love what Jesus said to this man. He said, yes, he was the neighbor. Now go and do the same. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your presence here today, first and foremost. God, we can feel you near to us. We can feel you here. God, there's no other place we'd rather be than right here in this moment. Because God, when you're present, transformation takes place. Lives are changed. The hurting are healed. The broken are restored. Father, we are so thrilled that we can sit in your presence. And Lord, I pray that this story that is so familiar to to, to many of us in this moment, Lord, would you just illuminate some new truth. There's something in this story today, God, that's familiar. There's something 
that you want to awaken your church with. So Holy Spirit, come and have your way. Show us who you are, Father. And I pray that we would desire to become more like you. It's in Jesus' name everybody in this house said, amen, amen. Hey, if, if, if you do need to zone out or, or slip out early or take a nap, I, I want you to catch this truth from this lesson, this very familiar Bible story to us today. As I consider head on a swivel and how we are to live in this culture today, here's what I've discovered. Real love takes action, and it goes beyond what is expected. Real love takes action. Real love goes beyond what is expected. It's not just talking about it. How do you feel about people that just talk a big game, but they do nothing to support it or back it up? You know, you, you, that doesn't sit well with most of us, does it? We, we, in fact, we, we, we oftentimes call those people a, a hypocrite, right? Because they say one thing, but then when it comes to actually implementing what they're saying or demonstrating or living it out, well, they just kind of, well, they balk. They, they kind of stop there. It's kind of like, you know, some of the, the biggest trash talkers in athletics are the guys that never get on the playing surface. Or the smallest guy, the weakest one, you know. They, they just talk a big game. But listen, real love, and if we are going to be people that keep our head on the swivel and identify needs around us, it is not going to be enough just to say, oh, man, there's somebody lying on the side of the road robbed, stripped, beaten, and oh, we just pray for God to send someone to serve them and help them. No, it's going to require us, if we're going to be serious about being who all God desires for us to be and being a church that, that brings great delight to his heart, the bride that he envisioned. Listen, it will require that we not just talk a big game, but that we actually put this love into practice and into action. And for far too long have we in the church not been talking a lot. Silence covered the room. We have, haven't we? We've we've thumped our Bibles, we've pointed our fingers, we've yelled through our bullhorns, and we've rioted and picketed. And yet I'm reminded of this story here today that real love is more than talk. It's going to require us to take action. It's one thing to say we love our neighbor as ourself, but it's quite another to demonstrate it. Am I talking to anybody today? It's quite different, isn't it? There are four main characters in this story that we find here today. Four main characters in this parable of the good Samaritan. The first one that we find in this story is is this man that's traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. Now, if you know anything about the geography of that time, this this distance between Jerusalem to Jericho was about 17 miles. And this road that that, that made its way from Jerusalem, an elevated city, many feet above sea level, Jericho actually sat below sea level. Kind of like New Orleans, I guess, right? It was actually a city that was below sea level. So when people in Scripture, you see he traveled up to Jerusalem, that was literally, they had to because it sat at, at, at a higher elevation, right? 
This, this stretch between Jerusalem and Jericho was about 17 miles, and it was notorious. Say notorious. It was notorious for, for being a, a, a road that, that, that bandits and, and thieves hung out. And, 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 and oftentimes people, I mean, it was, it was not a safe, safe trip. It, it was, you, you were taking your, your life into your own. I mean, it was, it was very, very dangerous. And, 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 and thus in this story here, that this man, this Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho finds himself in the hands of these bandits. They strip him, they, they beat him, and they rob him, and, and they leave him for dead. Characters two and three are, are, are two religious people. Aren't you thankful for religious people? Because religious people just, they make things good, don't they, and right, all the time. No. <laughs> religious people can sometimes not have their head on a swivel, can't they? And miss these opportunities that God is placing right in front of them. Religious people can think that it's just about coming into a place and turning on the lights and hazing up the room and singing some great powerful songs and hearing another rousing sermon from a very attractive, dressed, brightly colored man. And then they could just think that that is all that there is for us, right? This scene... In this scene, we we find the characters of the priest and the Levite who who each see this man lying on the road. They see him beaten. They see him in misery and pain. But as Jesus tells this story, they ignore him. It's so easy for us to point the finger at the priest and the Levite and say, how could they see someone in need and ignore them? I know we would never ever do such a thing. The fourth character, though, is this Samaritan. And what makes him good is his response as he sees this man in this situation. You see, he sees the man and he takes pity on him. Jesus in this story tells us that he bandages this man up. He, he takes this man to, to be cared for. And, and not only does he take him to a safe place where, where somebody's going to attend to this, disease, he even pays for the bills that this man will incur while he is healing. And Jesus, I love, ends this parable by asking this expert in the law. This, this guy was not necessarily a lawyer like we would consider a lawyer today in a judicial system. He was an expert in the law, meaning this. He knew the law of Moses. He knew the Torah backwards and forwards. He, he had grown up his whole life being able to quote it and memorize it. He knew the 600 plus laws and rules and things that they had to live by. He knew it. That's why he's referred to here as an expert in the law. Jesus asked him, now, from this story, let me, sir, from this story, which one of these is acting like a neighbor? And of course, the answer is obvious because we've heard this story thousands of times. We colored the picture when we were in Sunday school, <laughs> And it maybe it was the theme of vacation Bible school one day or what have you. But we know, of course, the neighbor was the Samaritan. In fact, he was so neighborly, we gave him that word good. He wasn't the bad Samaritan. That was the John chapter 4. That was the woman at the well, right? We can talk about her later. But this was the good Samaritan. 
Well, who's this man that was beaten that day on the road? All we know from this story is that he was, he was Jewish. The, 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 the parable of, of this good Samaritan, it never talks about the identity or the past of this man. We, we, we don't know if, if he was wealthy. We don't know if, if, if he was poor. We, we don't know if, if maybe he was, he was a drunkard or, or even if he was a thief. We don't even know if maybe he did something to provoke the situation. Maybe he was trash-talking the bandits on the hillside that day. I don't know. We, we don't know if he provoked it or, or maybe he was just simply innocently walking along the road. We don't know those things. But what we do know in this story was that he was a man that was in great need. Right? We, 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 we know that. We don't know his story, except he was a man that was in great need. And at this moment, in this story, this traveler needed someone to help him. He needed help. And it's interesting to me that the two religious people in the story... To me, the two people that probably should have known better, the, the, the two people that, that, that probably were, were the most versed and studied about how God might respond to a person in this situation, what do they, 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 they just leave him for dead. They pass him by. But, but it's the Samaritan who, who, who in this story acts in the way that God, check this out, church, would have you and I act in any situation as well. You see, let's place ourselves in this story. Maybe we could, could be, we are to act and respond as the Samaritan did here in this story. Now, something you need to know about the Jews and the Samaritans. It's, 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 you know, in general, Jew, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were at, at, at odds with each other. They, 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 they were two different, the, 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 the Samaritans, the Jews, they were half-breeds. They were kind of a mixture of, of, of other ethnicities, and, and, and they were not looked upon favorably by the, the Jewish people, the, the Jewish people of that day. Um, they, they didn't interact. You, you would not find a Jew and Samaritan sitting at a bar together sharing a beverage and telling stories. You, you, you wouldn't find them probably inviting one another. Hey, why don't you just come over to our house and, and, and let's share a meal together and, and, and play Uno. I, you know, they, just, they didn't associate with, with one another a lot. In fact, they, they, they didn't like each other. They, they didn't associate. Which then again in John chapter 4, Jesus being a Jew and the Samaritan woman, well, that gives that story just greater significance as well. When you understand and know that these people groups, they couldn't stand one another. In, in fact, a Samaritan was, was probably more likely to, to kick dirt in, in, in this, this Jew's wounds than, than to ever consider stopping and, and rendering aid to him. What, what this Samaritan did here in Luke chapter 10 was was unheard of. It was radical. It, I mean, you, you don't just, you don't wake, the Samaritans didn't wake up, how can I show love to a Jew today? They just didn't, that's not what their motive was each and every day. But this was no typical Samaritan, was it? 
He was a good one. He was a good Samaritan. You see, he doesn't worry about this man's past. He, he simply cares for the needs of his present. The man was hurt. And we read that this man treated, this Samaritan treated the man's wounds. This, this man had, had been robbed, Jesus tells us here in the story. But this Samaritan pays personally for the care that this Jewish man would need in order to heal. This man was in need, and this good Samaritan took time to stop and respond. Now listen, I'm sure that this, this, this Samaritan wasn't just walking down the road because he was bored or Pokemon in this day. No. There was an itinerary. There was a reason for him to be there that day. And I'm sure that he had places to go and people to see as well. But we find him stopping and taking the time to respond. There's a sermon right there. Guys, in our busyness of life, we can miss all of these moments that God is placing in front of us to respond to people. Can't we? I know that you've got to turn quickly and get into the rim so you can spend more money at Target. And if you're not careful, you can miss the person standing there at the stoplight that's hungry and in need of assistance. Right? We can miss those moments. I've got to get here to there, and we can, we can miss the, 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 the lady that's struggling loading her vehicle with, with a cart full of supplies. We can miss these moments, the person with, with the, the stranded on the, the side of the, We can miss these moments because let's just, we're busy as well, right? Is there anybody here that's not busy? Anybody else needs some more things to do? Just see us afterwards, and we'll give you a, no, we're busy. But this man takes the time to respond. As, as I was thinking through this very familiar story this week, not only does busyness something that might keep me from responding to needs around me as I see people that are struggling or could use some help, but is it possible that, that we can tend to look at those that are in need? And, and is it even possible that, that, that another reason maybe we don't help them is because well, maybe we just think that they deserved what they're, what's coming to them. Uh, we were doing some back-to-school shopping Friday, and, and, and we were, there we were, the scene I just described to you. We were at a, at a stoplight, and, 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 and there's a man, and he takes his hat off, and he starts limping down the row of cars because, you know, you know he's needing some financial assistance. And he didn't have a, you know, a, a, an ornate cardboard sign or anything. We just saw him limping and with his hat, and I just... You know, uh, uh, you know I, I, my truck is tattooed with 1910 Church on it. I mean, what am I going to do? I can't hide, you know. Oh, don't, don't make eye contact. Don't make, maybe he won't see the truck. Maybe he can't read. I don't know, you know. So you can't, what do you do? So uh, we, we roll the window down. My youngest daughter, Annie Grace, is with me, and we, we give the man some money, and, and man, it's, it, this was, there was a miraculous healing that took place because he was doing this, and when I rolled my window down, it was like this, man. True, Annie? We saw a miracle right before our eyes. I will never question her doubt. You know, in those moments, though, isn't it easy for us just to say, oh, man, 
surely there's something. There's probably been a series of poor decisions this gentleman has made that he's found himself now in the heat of Texas in July on the side of 1604 and Military Highway. You know, and if we're not careful, you know, who knows? Maybe the, the priest and the Levite had that, that same thought towards this man laying on the side of the road that day. Well, he doesn't this guy know that it's dangerous through, these neck, through this neck of the woods? I mean, it's, what's he thinking? If, if he wouldn't have been wearing his flashy clothes, maybe he wouldn't have attracted, you know? If we're not careful, we can begin to just kind of, well, maybe they're getting what they deserve. Forget that homeless man. Forget helping him. He's probably a drunkard anyway. For, for, forget the lady next door. Man, she's always cruel. <laughs> she's so unfriendly. You know? For, for, forget for, forget my helping my brother because man, he, he never helps me. You know? And if we're not careful, we can talk ourselves out or rationalize ourselves out of what I believe are these God moments that he puts before every one of us wanting us to help someone in need. Am I, am I talking to anybody today? But in this story, Jesus paints a different picture. Instead of looking at the man's past or looking at his appearance or, or even what was social etiquette of the day, what this Samaritan saw was a person who was in need. In fact, I think that that's probably the, 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 the same attitude that Jesus demonstrated time and time again, if you know anything about his life. As he looked and saw people that were sick or people that were hurting, people that were helpless, right? Matthew 9, as he walked through all their villages and towns teaching in their synagogues and healing every kind of disease, he saw people that were helpless. And Scripture says that he had compassion on them. Who, who knows the people that we stop to help? Who, who, who knows that, that maybe that's not an angel or Christ himself? In fact, didn't he speak to that in the book of Matthew chapter 25? That, that, didn't he say that, hey, when you, when you do these things, when you serve people or when you take care of others, it's as if you're helping me. I, I didn't have this earlier for the first crew, but I, our media team here at 1910 Church is like, they're off the chain. They're, they're awesome. And, and, and I just gave the 830 crowd some bonus Bible this morning. This is not in the sermon, but, but it's, it's in God's plan for us. And I'm just going to go with him. Is that okay? So you like the Bible, right? Anybody offended if I read extra, extra Bible? Let me see your hands. Yeah. Um, in, in Matthew chapter 25, beginning in verse, what is it, guys? I can't remember. What, what verse does it start? I can't, 35, thank you. Yeah, for when I was hungry, it's written in red. So who said it? Jesus, yeah. <laughs> I love that. When, when I was hungry, you fed me, Jesus said. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me, Jesus says. 
Then, then the righteous ones are going to reply, Lord, when, when did we see you hungry feed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When were you a stranger and we showed you hospitality? Lord, when were you naked and when did we give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison? Lord, we don't remember these things. We don't remember coming to visit you. And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were what, church? doing it to me. So here's the deal. I can sit and rationalize the gentleman limping towards my brightly decorated 1910. And I can say, oh, you know what, bro? Listen, you, you should have gone to college because everybody that goes to college always makes it, right? Um, you you, you, you should have, you know, maybe if you were cleaned up a little bit and if you didn't try so hard, no. Who knows when we're not entertaining? We could be entertaining angels. You know that, right? And we, it's, Jesus says that when you serve and when you help the least of these, it's as if you're helping me. You know that's good stuff right there. I love it how Jesus isn't content just to define what neighbor means in this story. Answer the man's question. Nope. But what he does is he tells a story and issues a command to this expert in the law, but it's the same command that he wants us to know today, church. Listen, we are to show mercy to our fellow man who is in need. We are. We're, we're, we're to show mercy to those that are in need. This lawyer here in Luke chapter 10, Jesus asked him, which of these three, sir, in this story, which of them prove to be a neighbor to this wounded man? And his reply was, well, it's the one who had mercy on this poor Jewish man. The Greek word for mercy is this word elios. And in, in, the, in the ancient Greek, this word elios, is, it's an emotion that, that, that is roused by contact with an affliction which comes undeservedly on someone. Listen, do, most of the people that you know of right now that are hurting and broken and struggling in some, some form or fashion, they... It's not something that they woke up and said, you know what, I'm going to cause this calamity upon myself. You know that, right? A lot of the stories that we hear from the, the friends that we serve on Friday nights and Saturday nights in downtown San Antonio, many of them did not ever think they would find themselves in that situation. It's not that, they, that their parents just are, oh, I just dream one day that you would grow up and just be a poor beggar, or someone that's just always beaten up and downtrodden and find yourself. No. And when we demonstrate mercy, Elios, we're responding to these people that who have undeservedly something has come upon them and we're responding to their need. In the New Testament, the, the meaning of the word Elios draws from the, the old Hebrew word has said which means faithfulness between, between individuals that, that results in kindness, in, in pity, and in, in mercy. You see, long before Jesus spoke of this, God gave the prophet Micah the same words in Micah chapter 6, verse 8. says, what does the Lord require of you? Church attendance. You... 
tithing. No. What the Lord requires of you is to do justly. To love what, church? Mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. You see, here's the deal. Mercy is required of us. Hey, you've been the recipient of God's great mercy, haven't you? You've not only received it just for you, you've received it to dispense it to others. Am I talking to anyone? In fact, Jesus would go on to say in Luke chapter 6, verse 36, he commands us, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. And so as we wrap this up, I'm reminded about this lawyer and asking this definition of what a neighbor was. He listen, he's trying to, to he, he wants to justify limiting his love to just his fellow Jews. But Jesus doesn't define neighbor like that. This story makes it clear, listen, that our neighbor is whoever has a need. That's your neighbor. Not the person that lives on your right or your left or across the street or across the fence line. No, your neighbor is anyone who has a need. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat. It it, it doesn't matter if, if they're red or yellow, black or white. They are precious in his sight. Check this out. It doesn't matter if they're American or Muslim. It doesn't matter if they're hetero or homo. Jesus loves the little children of the world. His love knows no limits. We don't get to pick and choose who receives the mercy of God. We don't. We're to demonstrate it. And so here's the point. I want you to leave here with this today. Our neighbors are suffering. And we can help them. This Good Samaritan's love wasn't typical, was it? Nope. And our love shouldn't be typical. The love of Christ compels us to to take action. It, It compels us to go beyond what is expected to help those that are wounded and hurting. Church, this is our calling. This is our calling. We're to be Jesus. Listen, we, the thing about this invitation to you today is that it's up to you. We've, we've looked at a familiar story that you've heard a thousand times. The challenge is what are you going to do with it? What, what, what will you do with this familiar story? And it will become anesthetized to it and it means nothing to us anymore. Listen, God's not going to force us to love our neighbor. God's not going to force us to love him with all of our heart. I love the words of that song that that we sang earlier that says, we give you permission, our hearts are yours. Listen, listen, could could God force himself upon us and make us love him and make us serve? 
Could he do that? Yes, he's God. We know that he could. But listen, that's not how he operates. God is not a forcer. He's a filler. Tweet that mess. God is not a forcer. He's a filler. And he's not going to force me to love my neighbor. He's not going to force me to love him and lift my hand. He's not. But I'm telling you, when my heart is ready, when I open my life and say, God, listen, I want to, what does he do? He fills me and he gives me what I need to love others as he loves me. Am I talking to you today? And here's the deal for someone else in this room today. Here's the deal. You need to know that God loves you. And, and you, need, you need to, for once and for all, just as we had in the first service this morning, someone said, you know what? I need Jesus in my life. I've heard the story time and time again. I've been to church on Easter. I know the tomb is empty. I know, I know, I know. But, but you've never just willingly said, hey, Jesus, I'm yours today. And I need you to come into my life. Listen, he's not going to force himself upon you. He stands, yes, at the door and knocks. Anyone who opens the door, what does he do? He comes in. He's a filler, not a forcer. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. We're going to sing. Let's just sing the bridge to that song if we can. And I'm going to ask our prayer ministry team to go ahead and spread out all across this room today because here's the deal. I believe there's someone here today that needs to say yes to Jesus for the first time. I believe that there's someone here today that may struggle with the topic that we've talked about, about serving and helping people around you. You've got a prejudice, you deal with stuff, and it's just limited. You're, you're being used by God. Maybe there's someone here today and you came in with a care, a pain, a struggle, a burden, and I'm telling you, there's nothing more liberating. Listen, Jesus is here and he sets people free. Anybody believe? that. And maybe you're here today and one of our friends can pray with you. We're going to sing this song. Come and consume us. We give you permission, Lord. Have your way in us. And if we can pray with you and encourage you or lead you to who Jesus is, you come in this moment. Brittany, lead us.
I pray, God, I pray that we would be the people you've called us to be. God, that we would not just hear a story or sing the songs. God, more importantly, that we would go and live what we're singing or hearing about. God, fill us with your spirit. Help us to love Jesus as you love others. Help us to respond to the needs that we see around us. Let us not be discriminatory, Father, because that is not in your blood. No, you love everyone. And let us respond with the love of Jesus. I'm praying today for that person that needs to say yes to you. God, as we leave this place, they would not leave, but they would run to the front and say, I need Jesus. It's in his awesome, incredible name that we pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.